Welcome to Near Death Experience Podcast. I'm Chaz Hathaway. We've got kind of a fun experience today, and I only say fun uh, because of some of the implications that uh, I consider and that we'll talk about after the uh, sharing the experience. And by fun, I mean funny, uh, potentially funny. Anyway, <laughs> this is the experience of Steve from Enderf.org. He says, I had a near-death experience at age 25 during a minor surgery. I awakened from the surgery, blinded by a river of white light. I thought it was an after-effect of the general anesthesia. I thought it was odd that it pushed beyond my optic nerve and went through my entire body. I immediately rose to my feet and looked at the nurse who had helped me. She wasn't a nurse. She was clothed in light extraordinarily beautiful and loving. She was the most beautiful woman I had ever seen, and I almost cry when I think about it. I fell in love the instant I looked at her. I was in ecstasy. She wore a loose-fitting white gown, and it gave off light of its own. Her light was golden and white. She was thin, blonde, and with shoulder-length hair, she was about five foot seven and fair, but golden in her skin hues. She was definitely female, but radiated power and intelligence, as well as love and care. She was responsible and carried massive authority. I looked behind me and saw my body still lying in a post-operative rest area. She said not to worry that I wasn't dead. My heart was still beating. I could see into it. She was concerned about my breathing because the anesthesia was too strong for my central nervous system. I was depressing my respiration. She was there to stabilize my respiration and watch over me. Not a word was spoken. All communication was shared by thoughts and feelings. She told me that my life was too important to take any chances on my survival, and that's why she was there. I had to be guarded. I was too important to risk. She led me off to the side, and I realized that we were looking through a wall at my sleeping body from another room. After calming me, which didn't take long, she showed me some amazing views. There was a curtain of light all around her, a veil of energy behind her. I wasn't allowed to pass through that veil. I was in a resting area between worlds. To our sides, there was a multicolored halo of glittering lights in geometric shapes. They seemed electrically charged, moving and shimmering, like a ragged border between her world and mine. Through a fog-like mist, we peered into the physical world. I felt wonderful and not too surprised. This was the first time I had met someone like her. This was not the first time I had met someone like her. Her light was a signature that identified her, and I had seen that light before. To see her was to fall in love with her instantly. I never wanted to leave her. It may be that she felt the circumstances provided an unfair comparison with my wife. She showed me some details about my children and revealed to me 
of you of another woman even more lovely and desirable, the wife I was married to. She then said it was time to return, that my breathing had stabilized and that my nervous system was able to work on its own. People told me it was a hallucination caused by the drugs. I, I've had sodium pentothal before and never had such an experience. In fact, it wasn't pleasant the first time I had it. My wife was very frightened by the words I spoke as I re-entered my body. When I woke up in her arms, the light was still pouring through my head and slowly withdrawing from me. I stammered out some expressions of love and admiration that were almost worshipful to my wife, and she said she was very shocked and frightened by the intensity of the expression. I'll never be able to live up to what you see in me, she said. Okay, and that's the end of the experience. He goes on and talks about some other things that aren't related to the experience, but uh, very interesting, and uh, I find a little bit humorous, not not because of the content itself, but because of, of something that he may not have known. Um, and the fact is, is that he didn't know who this woman is, that he that appeared and he found... Just, uh, he, he said he, she was the most beautiful woman he had ever seen. And, and then he almost cries to think about it. I mean, this, this guy, I don't know if he's normally a romantic or if he just, you know, became one in that instant. But he was, he was just totally smitten with this woman. And she apparently recognizes that because she shows a view of his wife. My understanding, or my guess, is that she was showing him his wife in her spirit form, because she says that uh, she felt that the circumstances provided an unfair comparison with his wife. And when he sees his wife in a comparable state, um, he sees her as even more lovely and desirable. He said the the wife he was married to, more lovely and desirable. And then says it's time to go back. Apparently at that point he didn't mind going back. <laughs> I, I, the reason I find this funny, okay, it, first off, I would, I would say to everyone out there, and this is a valuable lesson that I learned from near-death experiences, learn to control your thoughts in this life. Now, there's no question that thoughts are just going to pop in your head sometimes. And sometimes, say you see somebody you're, you're incredibly attracted to, or, or you see somebody and you're incredibly attracted to them, it's your choice what you do with that immediate uh, impression. You can say, but it doesn't matter. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm in, totally madly in love with my wife. And so, you know, any attraction, not, not a thing you know, and just shrug it off and then think about other things, distract your mind. It's not lying to yourself by um, putting your focus elsewhere. And um, if you get good at controlling your thoughts, especially if you have struggle with letting those thoughts get even more, uh, let's just say, um, inappropriate, <laughs> okay? If, you're, if you let your thoughts get, get uh, more... Uh, physically involved in the individual and so forth, work on that and get over it because 
When you get to the other side, those thoughts are open in the spirit world. And the people there are more beautiful than the people here. That's what I'm understanding from what I'm reading here and, and in many other places. And so just, you know, there's obviously, without the body, there's, there's some physical sensations that may not take place. But apparently from what I see here, physical attraction, which is a bit of a misnomer if you think about it, um, but uh, attraction, of romantic attraction, seems to be um, still there. At, at, at least at first, if not, you know, indefinitely. Anyway, um, the the reason I bring that up, some people would say, well, what, what's the big deal, you know, so they know that you like them or whatever. Well, um, the, and this is the thing that I find funny about this, because from what I read of near-death experiences, nine times out of ten, if the person does not immediately recognize the individual um, that they're talking to in the spirit world. Usually, they come. it comes to turn out to be a grandma or a great-grandma or sometimes an unborn child or a grandparent, I should say, not grandma. You know, it's a grandparent or an unborn child, which means when he says this woman, I, I don't know her, I, I, you know, there was something familiar about her, I guess, but uh, he didn't know who she was. But she was gorgeous, uh, and and he's obviously, you know, he says he's instantly in love with her, and in ecstasy in her presence, uh, and um, the implication seems to be because he's in love of how in love he is with her. Um, it could be his grandma, or his mother-in-law, or perhaps his daughter, and how embarrassing that would be <laughs> to find out afterwards. Like, Oh, hey, sweetie pie, I didn't know that you were going to be my daughter, and <laughs> just ignore everything I thought about you. So, I mean, the point is, learn to control your thoughts, and, you know, if there's an instant attraction, you know, that, that uh, this person is beautiful, and then you instantly go on to say, but anyway, um, you know, so where am I, and, and just you know, go on with other things, it will just be a mild, you know, flattering compliment. But if you let it kind of drive your attention like it did Steve here, I'd, I'd be fascinated to find out if, if later he discovered that that was his, um, you know, mother-in-law or grandma-in-law or, you know, <laughs> some other extremely awkward relationship to be attracted to. So, Anyway, kind of humorous in my mind, but uh, also very informative. And, you know, what the heck, since we're on the subject, I want to share a little sample from a near-death experience. This is not the whole near-death experience, because it's really good before this one, but it's it's like an hour long and so forth. Uh, but Kim Rives has a beautiful and fascinating uh, near-death experience, and... Uh, Toward the end of it, when she's headed back, um, she goes to visit her sister, who I believe is in another state, you know, at least in another town, somewhere she can't be where her sister is in bed, in some kind of a coma or passed out. And um, and she begins talking to her sister. Notice what she says about the guardian angel who is looking after her sister. And I find this 
to be kind of hilarious. So here is Kim Rives uh, sharing the later part of her near-death experience. The next place I landed was at my sister's house in Logan. She was studying to become a therapist. It was interesting because when I landed, I, I landed in her wall. I was halfway in and halfway out of her wall. My head, my torso was in and my feet were outside. And so I kind of looked at my predicament and I thought, oh, this is kind of strange. So I pulled myself through and once again that didn't hurt. But then I was standing in my sister's room and I, I saw her working on the computer on her thesis. And there was this really cute angel helping her. He had on this white toga and this like green stuff around his head. And I didn't know what that meant, but... And he had really blue eyes and kind of reddish, silverish, blondish hair. And, you know, he made my heart thump, you know, I was single and almost here. And uh, as I was looking at him, he turned around and looked at me with his beautiful blue eyes and he said, Kim, you need to get back in your body. It's, it's dying and your mission is not yet complete. Well, I didn't want to get back in my body. It was sick and decrepit and, and bald and I didn't want to do it. And, so I thought he gave me is he commanded armies of thousands. I don't know when he lived on earth, but I he must have been some kind of army guy, you know, in the old days. And he gave me this feeling like he commanded armies of hundreds, thousands, and they had obeyed him. And here I was, a mere mortal girl, and I wasn't obeying him. He, he wasn't quite frustrated but angry, but he wasn't quite pleased either. And so I, I didn't want to annoy him, so I, I went to the other room and floated in there, and my two little nieces, they were six and eight, and they were sitting on separate couches. And there was three angels around the one niece and four angels around the other one. And the three angels were singing, and they were singing a song about that the family loved. My sister just gone through divorce, so they were singing about how, how Heavenly Father still loved them, the angels loved them, Mommy and Daddy still loved them, and that, you know, that families could still be happy even though, even though there was a divorce. And they were singing this little song to her. And the other ones were talking, teaching a story about the same concept. Well, I was more zoned in on the music, and one of the angels from the the trios, she came up and got kind of close to me and said, Kim, you need to get back in your body. It's dying, and your mission is not yet complete. Well, I told her I didn't want to. And she said, well, you're uh, Nikki, the little girl she was singing to. She said, she's been praying that you won't die. And if you die, her faith will be shaken, and she will not be able to complete the mission that she was called here on this earth to do. And I said, well, she can't love me that much. And she said, she does. I found over there, they, the angels, they, they have a task, and they're not there to argue or to contend with you. They deliver their message, and then they go back to doing what they're doing. And she went back and started singing. And also this big feeling started coming over me that I needed to get back in my body. I needed to hurry. Well, I didn't know how, first of all. And second of all, I didn't want to. But I really didn't even know how. But so I floated back into the other room where the cute angel was. And he looked up at me like, you're still here? And just then, I don't, like I say, there's many senses over there where you can do things that you can't do here. And so this is one of those things. Um, uh, just then the phone rang, and I saw my sister pick it up. And I could hear my mom on the other end. And mom was crying, and she was saying, we've lost her. Kim has died. Now my body was back in this town with my mom. And my spirit was here with my sister in Logan. And so mom was crying. And I tried to, like, you know, yell out, I'm not dead. I'm more alive than I've ever been. I feel healthier than I've ever been. I'm not dead, guys. I'm not dead. But to them, I was dead. And so my sister said, well, put the phone up to her ear. Let me talk to her. 
So I didn't see them do that because I was in that room, but I guess Mom put the phone up to my, to my body. And then I began, I wanted to talk, and because you use your thinking over there, now I had to try to figure out how to use my mouth. And so I started trying to form words in spirit. It's really hard because you don't use your mouth. But I was trying to do it. Finally, it was interesting, as I spoke, the words came out on the phone. We don't know how this happened. Mom did not hear, she didn't hear anything with the body. My body was still stone cold quiet. They had, couldn't find a breath or a pulse, and my body was getting cold. Um, I've talked to doctors, it takes about 20 to 30 minutes for the body to get that cold. But my, my sister could hear me, so somehow I was able to communicate loudly enough that she was able to hear me on the phone. And I told her that I um, didn't want to come back, that I wasn't dead, I was alive, and that there was a cute angel helping with her thesis. And she said, well, how do you know that I'm working on my thesis? And I said, because I can see you. And she said, well, no, we work on my thesis. You could have guessed that. And she said, what am I wearing? So I told her what she was wearing. And then she says, well, maybe you could have guessed that too. What are my kids wearing? And I said, well, I can't guess that. I said, let me go look. I can't remember. So I floated in, saw what her kids were wearing, and I came back. And I told her what her kids were wearing. And then she said, I don't know how you're doing this, but you're freaking me out. <laughs> so she said, could you get back in your body? Because mom told me it's cold and you're dying. And then she started to cry. And she said, if you die, I think mom will die. She's fought for three long years for you to live. And if she dies, and both of you die, she says, I don't think I could make it. Well, instantly I remembered the promise that I would made my mother in heaven, that I'd be brave so that my earthly mother could continue to make items for the babies. And I thought, well, if my mom dies, then the babies will have to suffer, or they might die as well. And I, that was too much. I, I didn't want the babies to suffer more on my account. So I said, okay, I'll go back. And so instantly, as I said, I'd go back. I was whistling through this tunnel. Some man crouched down in there, and he was trying to decide if he should come or go. And I thought, how can he get to decide? But I guess I'd already made the decision. So I was taken back. I could see this light, like the top of the light at the end of the tunnel. It was actually a portal hole to my body. And it, as I came through the light, I was standing right in front of my body, back at where my mom was at. And I looked at my body once again, felt the repulsion, and I felt the love. I felt a little more repulsion this time because I had to get into it again. But I got up and I laid down horizontally, and as I did, I sunk into it. And then I was stuck. You know, I couldn't get out anymore. I was in there. And... And what I felt, though, the instant that, that I was in my body, I felt a cold come over me that was so extreme. I, in my entire life, I've never felt that cold. I felt like I had frostbite. And if I moved even a finger or a joint, it would literally snap in two. And so I started screaming, I'm cold, I'm cold, I'm cold. Mom came running, and she brought blankets and stacked them about three feet high, got hot water bottles, heating blankets, and finally jumped in and gave me her body heat to try to warm me up. And eventually I was able to come back around to some semblance of warmth. And as I did, the Holy Spirit whispered in my mind that he said that I would get better and in due time I would be able to use this experience for good. And this experience happened 13 years ago and about two years ago uh, I kept, every time I would pray or um, ask God what I should do with my life, he would say, write your book tell your story, sing your songs. So isn't that interesting? There's more to that experience, which I, I recommend. That's on uh, ionsutah.org um, that you can find uh, that account. But it's interesting to me how uh, she has 
this experience with the uh, where she goes to her sister's house, who is too far away to be able to be at her bedside while her body is dead, and uh, and she sees this this cute angel in in another one of her accounts. <laughs> she says her her first view of him without even realizing she's doing it because remember she's used to her thoughts being private. She she approaches and she's like, "You're cute." <laughs> And, of course, he looks up, and he's like, what? <laughs> and then she realizes, oh, yeah, he can hear me. I keep forgetting about that. You know, so there's a little bit of that, which I find humorous. And and something that uh, illustrates this point of, of romantic attraction still being there in the spirit form, which is interesting. And also um, this idea of, of thoughts being... <laughs> able to betray you if you're not careful. So, uh, you know, control your thoughts. The other thing I find interesting about Kim Rives' experience there uh, that we shared was this strange interaction that she had with her sister. Because here she's, uh, her body is in another state with her mother there at her side, and it's stone cold I mean, it's dead. They've she, their mom is calling to say your sister just died, and her sister, you know, in the sweet act, says, uh, "We'll hold the phone to her ear so I can talk to her," you know, hoping that maybe somehow she'll be able to hear her, and so forth. Little does she know that her her sister's spirit is right there beside her, and. Uh, and so she's like, I'm right here, I'm right here. And I'm, her sister may be even starting to talk to her and so forth. But but then she remembers, oh, i got to use my mouth. But I'm not used to using mouth now because I'm, I'm so, I've gotten used to using thoughts. And so she realizes that her thoughts aren't going to be heard. And so she, I don't know what she does, but she uses her mouth to talk. I don't know if that's her spirit mouth or if she's trying to get her physical body mouth to talk somehow and she says that uh, her mom says she never moved her mouth never moved she was stone cold throughout the conversation but uh, her sister hears her through the phone and and you know she's talking with her and her sister's a little confused as she says, I'm right here next to you, and you've got this cute angel helping you with your thesis. She's like, how'd you know I was working on my thesis? She's like, because I'm right here next to you. And she's like, well, okay, so maybe you could have guessed I was working on my thesis. What about, well, what am I wearing? And, and uh, tells her what she's wearing. She's like, well, I've worn that to lots of family stuff. What are my kids wearing? She's like, well, I don't remember that. Let me go look. And she goes, <laughs> as a spirit, she runs over to the other room, looks and sees what they're wearing, comes back, talks to her, and tells her. And she says, okay, now you're freaking me out. Get back in your body. <laughs> so interesting. So interesting. You know, I've heard of spirits being able to manipulate electronic devices, such as phones, such as computers, and so forth. I don't know what that means. I don't know how that works. I'm not one to to encourage trying to go and do uh, what's it called uh, voice phenomena, uh, uh, electronic voice phenomena, whatever. Something I I don't think there's much stock in most of those accounts. 
Um, there may be some in one like this. This is clearly a strange electronic voice phenomena situation, but it's much clearer than just having, you know, in the uh, squeaks and and creaks of, of an empty room hearing a voice say, what is this? Or whatever, you know. And I, I think that's a little bit pushing it uh, most of the time. But uh, I th apparently there is something to the manipulation of electronics. I don't know what that is. I don't know how that works. I don't even know what to make of it. But it's interesting. It's interesting. And uh, and all, all this mention of, of the uh, romantic attraction in the spirit form, I think is interesting too. We're, we're still humans. We're still us, you know, and, and that is so much a part of our lives that it, it's no wonder if it carries over into the next life. So anyway, if you would like to support the podcast financially, you can do so by becoming a monthly, uh, contributor, uh, by going to patreon.com slash ndecast. And if we get to the point where there is $50 coming in, I will upload an additional podcast per week for the patrons, uh, the subscri uh, per, uh, monthly contributors. And if we get over $200, I will do two more per week. And to the rest of you, I don't expect you to do that, but if, if you can afford that, that'd be great. <laughs> it would really help. Um, also, if you would like to contact the podcast, you can do so by emailing neardeathexperiencepodcast at gmail.com or by calling 970-NDE-CAST. And once again, to all of you, thank you again so much for listening. <laughs>